0: Time now for Connecting the Diocese. Connecting the Diocese is a production of the Diocese of La Crosse. Here's host Jack Sosha.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in, Connecting the Diocese in just a few minutes. Bishop Callahan will be joining us for a special edition talking about a lot of aspects of Holy Week that we really haven't covered in previous shows. So I think you're going to enjoy that. I was looking at the news and a group of volunteers from the Upper Midwest, from various places, are going down south to help with the ravaged areas destroyed completely by tornadoes where there's just nothing but rubble and people just in shock. Among those going down to help are a group of Ukrainian refugees who have been in this country for less than 90 days. They're barely getting their lives assembled, having fled Ukraine and all the destruction that you've seen. And they're saying, you've been helping us. We want to go down there and help them now. Slava Ukrani. Wow, I am so impressed. I guess people who have lost everything and seen unimaginable destruction understand what's going on in the hearts and minds of people who have also lost everything and seen unimaginable destruction. I'm just so impressed. God bless every single one of them going down there, the Ukrainians, and all of the local folks from our area. Back after this with Connecting the Diocese and Bishop Callahan. I was just talking about these folks who are very kindly going down south to where tornadoes have devastated entire communities. And that reminded me that I've been getting consumer alerts about scams from the federal government in my email. I requested those. You never can tell when there may be something important going on. And one did come along. Actually, two came along I want to tell you about. The first one is they are now warning that there are active scammers out there trying to get you to give them money to help the poor people who've lost everything in the tornadoes. Of course, the problem is these people have no interest in helping the poor people who lost everything in tornadoes all they're going to do is fill their own pockets and perhaps drain your bank account at the same time if you give them a credit card. Your best way to help and be sure you're not getting scammed is to deal with a legitimate church-based charity. You call them, don't just take a cold call from a total stranger. It's also fairly easy to look up and see what charity actually is getting money to the people who need it and not using the money to promote themselves. And the second scam is so ridiculous, it's almost hard to believe, but apparently people are falling for it. We are at tax time. People have already filed their taxes, and sometimes people are getting cold calls saying, this is the IRS, you owe us money, if you do not send it to us immediately via Bitcoin, we will come and arrest you. Number one, if the IRS wants to get hold of you, they will always, always do it in writing. They never call you demanding money. And secondly, the IRS takes checks, they take money orders, things like that. They take credit and debit cards. They do not take Bitcoin. People who are asking you or pressuring you to pay for something with Bitcoin are doing so because you can't get it back and it can't be traced once they have it. These items, plus the uh, too-good-to-be-true deals like make money while you sleep, are sure signs that you're going to get taken. So just be aware of what's going on. And maybe you've got some relatives who are not as computer savvy or whatever who get panicked when they get these calls. So now you know. Well, as promised, live and in person, yes. this is both of us, the Bishop of the Diocese of La Crosse, Bishop William P. Callahan. Bishop, nice to see your face in person. Good to see you too, Jack, and
0: what a thrill it is for us to be here locked in a speeding radio studio.
1: <laughs> we are here. We've come a long way. But at the same time, I always remind people that not at great expense. Everything uh, Salvation
0: Army could give us, <laughs> we got.
1: I love being here with you in person. We're here, and as people hear us right now, it is easy either Saturday or Palm Sunday. And I would like to spend some time uh, this particular show with you, not just talking about the nuts and bolts of it, but talking about Holy Week. We have done this many times over the years. And we describe what's going on and when and things like that. But it occurred to me uh, that there's a bunch of people who, in part because of the pandemic, have kind of like gotten away from participating in church stuff. Yes. Uh, I was talking to the bishop on the way in saying, you know how it is where uh, it's spring right now and it's warming up, but there are still people wearing their down jackets because they just can't get out of the habit of not putting it on? That's right. It's the same thing with being away from the church. You just get stuck in the habit of staying home. And there's people also who, they haven't heard either these broadcasts or they haven't been to all of the items that go on on Holy Week. It is the most serious the most heartfelt, the most heartbreaking, the most dramatic week in the entire church year. And it also is really a marathon for your priests. (laughs) Most
0: definitely. And all of us go through this every year. We priests go through this simply because of the fact that we remember that it goes something like this. But we get locked up in all of the traffic of what we're supposed to do things that are supposed to be done all the various kinds of things the buttons to push the things the bells to ring whatever it is and we forget how to do all this stuff simply because of the fact that there's so much to do but we're also kind of wrapped up in it there's very very little about holy week about the sacred triduum, about all the aspects of of the scriptures that we read. And we priests go through these things, and we think about, yes, we have to do this, and we have to do that, and this is the time when we wear this vestment, and this is the time we do that. But more importantly, this is the time we reflect and we remember our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what that means when we say our Lord and our Savior And all the things that happened because he suffered and died for us. And what a suffering and what a death. And uh, so it really does take its toll on us. There's not a human being, I don't think, who has anything to do with Jesus in any kind of way who doesn't feel the pain you know, doesn't understand what this means. And and if we're into any kind of engagement with the activity of God who chooses to come among us in the flesh, what an incredible gift. You know, what an incredible gift. And, and that that does make a difference.
1: Well, again, uh, some folks are listening on this on Palm Sunday and again, if you were to look at this as some kind of a made-for-TV scripted movie, right? Certainly, it starts out with this arrival on Palm Sunday. <laughs> Everybody, hey, Hosanna! He's our man. Yay! Oh, wow, wow! And then, almost immediately, boom! Yeah, things begin to happen. And then, you know, and again, you'll, you'll be reading all this to people. The actual gospel readings, uh, where. This poor guy is getting bounced back and forth like a billiard ball between different entities we talked in a previous show about. You had the Roman Empire that was trying to keep their hand on everything. You had the Jewish clerics and, of course, the Jewish insurrectionists who didn't want Rome there. And next thing you know, you've got a guy coming in claiming he's the Messiah. And yet also he was basically, as they said in that Jesus Christ Superstar we mentioned, a carpenter king. Yeah. This, uh, this is the most improbable set of circumstances. You would not write a script like this. No. No. It just doesn't work that way. Only God. Yeah. So when does what is the what is the first thing that happens uh, during Holy Week? I guess it's the it's the entry
0: that really captivates everyone right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we somehow are lulled into a false sense of security. This is going to be okay because Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and uh, he's got it under control. And farthest thing from the truth, I mean, while he does, of course, and people of faith understand that Jesus has it all under control, God has it all under control. Angels are watching. Everything is peaceful and good. It is drama beyond our wildest dreams, and it is just an action that is is just going to take us off. And uh, so, yes, so I guess coming into Jerusalem is is the thing that uh, lulls us into a false sense of of security and as that false sense of security starts to fall away we start to realize oh my there is danger Will Robinson there is danger
1: so get ready because it's coming now I have to ask you a a semi-serious question but not terribly serious are there any supply chain difficulties getting palm fronds this year? I haven't heard of any. Okay. yeah, I haven't good. heard of any. Yeah. No. can you imagine, Father? We can't get palm fronds. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess they're domestic. You can—they're made in, you know, Florida or someplace yeah, like that. Yeah, sure, sure. But nonetheless, I just was wondering whether there—you know—there's a production shortages of everything over these past couple of years. This is true. And uh, again, there's this thing where uh, uh, you're celebrating so much; everyone's been given palm fronds. You know and they're waving them and oh boy it's so great <laughs> yes 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 well I don't think God would
0: let us run out of trees. that's cards. a good thing yeah, yeah I think that given the circumstances uh, you know it's just it's just such a such a part of what this is all about mm-hmm. and uh, and so when we when we start to think and start to uh, uh, reflect upon what is going on, we need, to, we need to understand that the waving of palms is a big, big part of this. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I have a great deal of, uh, of thought when we start talking about palms and all those sorts of things. You know. I, come from, I come from a long line of Polish parishes. And uh, the Polish people, especially the women of the parish, but not always, because I know some men who certainly do a job. When it comes to braiding palms, oh my stars, the braiding of the palms and you know the, the nestling of pussy willows into the midst of that, the addition of red roses, crimson roses, all the various aspects of what goes on and what those colors mean and why we use them. It's all just a part of what it's all about. I mean, this is a celebration of the senses. When we talk about the incarnation, we look at this at, you know, at Christmas time, but we don't necessarily understand it quite as much as we do at as it, as we do at Easter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When we start thinking about the necessity of, of the human body, what God loves about us what God intends when he creates and gives us the ability to be so involved in the world in which he creates. And as we start to see it, it, it just takes over and then we start to get into the mystery of the incarnation. You know, the fact that God chooses to become one with us.
1: During the uh, height of the pandemic, the, the Easter of the height of the pandemic. I know that uh, at least one parish, the cathedral, uh, actually mailed out palm fronds to people who they knew were not going to be able to get in. That's right. And what, what a, you know, that was such a kind gesture. Monsignor Gillis, yeah, yeah, it was he a kind, just knows kind how to gesture do it. Because you yeah. can make a little slit in it and you can make a little cross out of it. That's right. And yeah. it, it connected you even though you know for reasons of uh, frailty or whatever, uh, fear, you just were not getting out. Uh, and truth. to get this in the mail and say, oh, look, look yeah. what they did for us. It was a wonderful thing. So it's a very serious symbolism. Yeah. And as you say, uh, people make a very simple cross and make very elaborate ones. Now, I had not that's heard about the pussy willow thing. I know my, sure. the polar side of my family were very fond of pussy willows. They would stop at the roadside and cut a few of them on the way home right. and things like that. But I didn't realize that they would put them the Pussy in. Pussy
0: willow was probably a little bit more of the eastern mm-hmm. side of of the thing, and um, you know I I have a, a dear dear friend who uh, uh, is uh, is eastern right, and uh, boy when, when when we talk about the the rites and the the remembrances and the part of what we remember so. Dear, about uh, Holy Week and uh, uh, the Triduum and and the the uh, the sights and the symbols, the smells and all of those sorts of things. There's always there's always a place, you know. And we think about the pussy willows and we think about all of these various aspects of things. So those those things are remembered with. With delicacy, because they're treasured memories and they're treasured sights and smells and everything else, and so they're all part of how we celebrate being alive, and how we celebrate the sadness of death, and how we celebrate the thought of living, and what they and what these aspects of. of Uh, These things that we remember and the sights and the sounds that we use, how those come to remind us of who we are as human beings, of who we are as sons and daughters of God, members of the mystical body. There are so many aspects of who we are that we remember with profound memory.
1: Every once in a while, somebody gets out an old family Bible and cracks it open and they find a little piece of palm Uh in the pages and you wonder how many decades ago that was put in there and who did it, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of tactile parts of... What goes on this Holy Week and visual things uh, yes. going on? Uh, in some cases, you know, like like they were talking about, I don't know what product it was, but try to you know discover it again for the first time was was part of their pitch.
0: Yeah, I remember it, that. I yeah, don't, I don't know what it was. Must well, well, yeah. have
1: been a good pitch, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't remember it the first time or the second time. But uh, you'll discover the Stations of the Cross. Yes. And maybe you don't pay much attention to them or you've forgotten about them and you take them for granted and yet there they are I had the opportunity of photographing some three-dimensional metal stations of the cross for a booklet that was being done and uh, one of the ones uh, Jesus has has fallen yes and in this particular outdoor one where there's a it's metal figures his hand is outstretched like almost like he's seeking help yes and you you had to notice that the hand of this figure is getting shiny because people always wanted to hold it. Yeah. And, and you, you, know, you so you've got these images, these figures, these stations and things like that, that evoke such pity uh-huh. uh, visually. Uh, you've got these guys whipping and all this stuff, and you're going, what are you doing? So yes. the stations of the, there's a, there is a station of the cross in one form or another in, in every Catholic church. And there has to be, mm-hmm. yes.
0: Yeah, the uh, the stations of the cross are part of the uh, the mystery of our faith. They are the the presentation of our faith. Um, while they are not necessarily uh, images, statues, figurines, that sort of thing, the stations of the cross are uh, representative of the image of the cross. It's not just necessarily the image of what happened at that particular one, but the cross evokes the memory of Jesus in that particular situation. So it's not necessarily that we have a picture or an oil painting or a, a magnificent sculpture or whatever it may be, but that we do have simply
1: the cross. So that's it's a good point. I wouldn't have thought of that. It, it isn't the stations of Jesus. No. It's the stations of this the cross. cross. How interesting. Yes. Very good. I, once again, see, I, this is one of the reasons I enjoyed doing this show, but now I, I learned something. <laughs> <laughs> so, a, you can't you know, forget it. Once you go, once you know that, now you yeah, always, always look cross. and see yeah.
0: that there may be whatever kind of, uh, of, of image you might be seeing, mm-hmm. there is always, no matter what size or whatever it may be, There is always an image of the cross.
1: Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting stuff. During the Holy Week, in most cases, during Triduum, uh, there is a time where sacred oils are blessed. Yes. Now this... The Chrism Mass. Chrism Mass. Yes. This year, are we going to do it the the normal day, or are we going to do it the special day?
0: We are going to do it, well, for us... The day that we choose okay. and that is Tuesday. All right. The normal day according to the liturgy of the Roman Catholic Church is Thursday, right. Holy Thursday, because it is the morning as we as we come together and we we, we move with the characters of the of the stations of the cross, and we recall just exactly what happened. So you know, you remember uh, Pontius Pilate, and you remember the people gathered together there and watching him. You know, say, I I have nothing to do with this man, and he washes his hands, and it's all very dramatic but it always has it always takes us further into the meaning of what he's doing and what goes on at each one of the 14 stations and how we are called to enter more deeply into what that means so yeah it's um, it's 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 quite a quite an adventure
1: our diocese the diocese of lacrosse is 15,000 square miles amen and the joke is of course we told before anytime you want to go to some place it doesn't matter what town it is in the diocese, how long does it take to get there? About two hours. Yep. And that's one way. Yep. And so consequently, to to have the uh, Christmas Mass on Thursday, where priests pick up these oils yes. and transport them back. Um, and the next day is Good Friday. This, this is like asking someone to work overtime. Could you work late on Christmas Eve? <laughs> you know, it's just physically difficult particularly in a diocese of this size it's true yeah and so and when we uh, when we decided
0: this i mean you know i i've uh, even before i became a priest i was somehow uh touched by the fact that uh you know i would always go to uh the chrism mass on holy thursday morning and uh you know just just to be there just to see what they were doing and the uh, the blessing of the oils, the consecration of the chrism, what that was all about, and why why we did it, but it became very very important as I became a priest, that boy there was an awful lot of hubbub about the fact that we had to get in and get out, you know, uh, just simply because of the fact that you know the priests had to get back for various kinds of things. Holy Thursday, the evening mass of the Lord's Supper had to be celebrated at the at the sunset, and um, you know it was very difficult. So we we decided that uh, well, there was really no other time for us to go ahead, simply because of the fact then that priests were celebrating evening uh, uh, celebrations of uh, reconciliation, sacraments of confession, uh, and that people come out like. Oh, they just come out for the, the sacraments so, so, so sweetly and sincerely uh, that you know, as they want to come out for uh, the celebration of, of going to confession, and they do here uh, on uh, the Monday of Holy Week, and they do so the Monday before, uh, before Christmas as well, that we are blessed to have whole days of, of confession. And uh, the people really come out. The, uh, the thing is, is that when we, when we look at all the, uh, the people trying to come to confession, that we can't get the priests, and this was always the thing, and I think I mentioned this to you earlier as we started our conversation, that the priests want to remember, want to be participants. We remember things a little bit differently. I mean, it's, it's very important for God's people to come to Mass and come to the the special ceremonies that are done during the the Sacred Triduum. But it's also very important for the people of God to remember that we priests need to have a time to think about and pray about what we're doing, what we've dedicated our lives to, how they call us Altar Christi, you know, Altar Christos, that we are another Christ, that really does hit in in the mind, the heart, the psyche, everything of a human being, of a priest, as he starts to think about and pray about. This is the remembrance of the death of Jesus, the passion of Jesus, and so um, it was very important then for us to have time to go ahead and uh, and to and to be able to pray and and uh, get to the, the chrism mass, because that's really a very important part of the rites of the triduum. So to celebrate that
1: consecration of chrism and the blessing of oils, very, very important. Yeah, because these are, are primarily done, you know, they're at the cathedral. That's right. And then they are disseminated out to all the parishes. Right. And again, there's symbolism in that. That's right. And, uh, and the priests who are carrying these things, to the parishes is also part of the symbolism i'm bringing this to you that's right and like you say you know the, this is the culmination of everything you believe in i mean sure. this week everything you you you've studied for you've devoted your life to i'm always regardless of religion but particularly having spent more time now with catholic clergy than anybody else <laughs> uh, i i'm always in awe of people who have decided that their Relationship with God and exploring it and bringing it to others is the most important thing in their life And they're gonna dedicate their life to it absolutely so whether it's somebody on the journey program or or whatever the case may be uh, I'm really proud of you. Uh, The other thing is also uh, At the chrism mass this is one of the few times that all these priests get together They have almost no time to talk to each other. They're too busy. This is why we have priest unity days where they can hang out uh, this is—they're busy, but they all get to wear, you know, chasubles. If I'm not going the right yes, And yes. there are members, volunteers, frequently ladies, who lovingly clean and iron and get these things so they all look gorgeous. That's You'll right. never see a priest standing up there with a wrinkled chasuble. <laughs> and Praise then, God! And Isn't and that do you know wonderful? how many yes. that is? I mean, I'll about these guys. So I have a real hard time ironing a shirt. <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> I always um, I always remember when I when I was a little kid, I was always taught about the fact that uh, there will always be a patch of blue in the sky on Holy Saturday, you know, the day before Easter Sunday. There will always be you know a little bit of sunshine on Holy Saturday, and why is that? Now it's not this. know this is this is one of those old mother's tales, you know and it's said because of the fact that blessed mother knew that jesus was going to rise from the dead and so she washed his clothes yeah, yeah. and she hung him out and there was a that that bright sun that just came out and took care of drying his clothes and making sure that they were just pristine and sure enough that that reminds me every day like when we were little kids it always seemed to rain on good friday <laughs> but it always seemed yeah. there was a little bit of blue sky and sunshine that came out on Holy Saturday. Right. So you have to remember those things. I mean, they're part of our faith.
1: Yeah.
0: And somehow they don't get told quite the way they need to be. You know, little kids don't know those things. And even if they're, you know, old mother's tales, you know, they are important for us to understand. Well, they're sweet. You bet they are.
1: And they're are. kind. The other thing is, is that, you know, at your local parish if uh, a baby is being baptized, guess where that oil came from? That's right. It's the connection yes. right back to the chrism mass again. The
0: chrism mass, chrism is used, and I think I've said this before, uh, you know, in our, in our opportunities together. Uh, chrism is only used in three sacraments. And that is baptism, confirmation, and holy orders when a priest's hands are consecrated. And uh, chrism is only consecrated, The chrism is the only oil that is consecrated, not blessed, it is consecrated. There's a difference. And so is set aside for that purpose and that purpose only, to represent Christ crucified and to represent the, the mysteries of our faith. Baptism, our being born into, into the mystery of faith, sins forgiven, ready for heaven. We are uh, confirmed in the rites of the church. We are confirmed by the great gifts of the Holy Spirit that that come to us in confirmation. And then when a priest's hands are consecrated uh, for sacred service. These three sacraments remind us of, of the texture of who we are and how these images, but especially chrism is used to remind us of, of who Christ is. And uh, so so as they are used you understand that the chrism mass occurs well in our case on Tuesday of Holy Week, but it happens so that we remind ourselves and are reminded by our mother the church that we are to remember how these things occur that um, the, the chrism that is used, that is consecrated by the bishop and only the bishop at the chrism mass, that that chrism we have to consecrate enough so that it can be used in all of the churches of the, of the diocese. So in our case, 158 churches, and every priest gets enough uh, chrism to be able to go and to celebrate every baptism in the diocese, because we don't make chrism just because we need it. We make chrism once a year at the Mass for chrism by the bishop. So that's that's one thing. The second thing is that Chrism is used in in the sacrament of confirmation. Chrism is used in baptism, those kinds of situations, and then chrism is used for anointing of a priest's hands.
1: It's funny you should mention that uh, because I, I had frankly forgotten that part of it. Uh, but yes, that what a, it's something you don't get to see up close unless the thing has been televised, or you know, our video folks are really sure. really good with telephoto yeah, lenses. Are, but yeah. uh, uh, You actually rub the chrism into, is it to the palm of the hand? Yes,
0: yes. And and, then the the palm of the hand. Now, when when you go to receive blessings, a lot of times a priest comes and, and anoints you with. But when a priest receives the sacrament of the sick, for instance, he is anointed on the back of the hand. Because his hands have already been consecrated. So there is nothing that you're going to do that's going to increase the power of God's efficacy in those hands. So when a priest receives a blessing, uh, when when he receives the sacrament of the sick, he receives the blessing of the hands on the backs of his
1: hands. And that's something I never would have thought of in a million years. Yeah. Um, but I do remember, you know, seeing that, and and so when the laying on of hands that a priest does, the consecrated side is the is the contact, as it That's were. Right. That's and right. This, again, uh, the the richness of these things. We're filled
0: um, with symbolism. Yeah, we, yeah, <laughs> you are. And
1: and the, the purpose of a of a symbol of any kind huh. is to evoke either a memory or an emotion or a dedication or a thought or to just have something occur to you. Now, to my way of thinking, again putting this chrism on the, the, the uh, palm of the hands of the priest. And yet, if he's sick and he's getting anointed, to put it on the back. Yeah. The average person would never think of this. Right. But the symbolism, as you just described it, is there. It, it, this is why you should spend some time listening to what... Uh, <laughs> listening to the show but no, uh, <laughs> we're listening listening to what these 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 priests say and uh, people like Chris Carson has got a book out about oh mass yes that you yes. could you'll be amazed what you will find in there uh, there's so much stuff that goes on you know again we're making lighthearted jokes about the impact of Easter on our society you know isn't just that the local convenience store always has fish sandwiches on Friday even though when you think about it, Isn't that strange that they they managed to whittle it down, removing all religious significance and everything else you can think of, but still the fact that they put a million fish sandwiches out every Friday this time of year should tell you that there's something going on. That's right. (laughs) it's, it's It's the worst symbolic Idea I can think of compared to chrism, but it's true. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if if what was going on in the Catholic Church in Christianity was of no import whatsoever, nobody really cared. Why would there be fish sandwiches everywhere you turn on Friday? Why would there be fish specials in the restaurants? Why would the Knights of Columbus have fish fries? <laughs> I, I mean, we don't we don't do this for uh, uh, you know. Uh, Murphy the Guru Day. Nope. <laughs> That's a nope. fictitious name. Don't look it up, folks. Yeah, there is no. no Murphy the Guru that I know of. No, no. There might be I. someplace, or, or there is now, but <laughs> that was the thing, too, that we talked about before that at the time of Christ, there were so many different would be, wannabe messiahs, fakers people claiming this claiming that people claiming to have been resurrected from the dead this was not exactly this was kind of like the national Enquirer of oh, the you day bet. Yeah, this yeah. stuff this stuff was floating around the fact that this particular event a happened b has not been discarded when the most improbable thing that this is where, we're 2000 years later i mean come on now murphy the guru may have also been claiming that he was it back then. Two thousand years later, uh uh-uh, uh That's right. He's gone. He's nothing. He, right. He's fake. It was all over with. Uh, the fact that this happened—that there cannot be a number of consequences. You know, we have consequences where you can find a, a shell. I found, I found uh, seashells in the hills of Texas that had been there for millions of years, right? Because and they had uncovered due to some kind of a, a small rainstorm. Pretty interesting to find that, but that's common. This is the idea that this could happen, and we have records of it. We have records in non-Christian documents. We have records in Roman documents to verify this was not made up 10 years ago. No, oh,
0: no, no. not made up 10 years ago. And that's something we need to remind ourselves, that the influence of the, the gospel is, uh, is continually brought up or is represented in the mind and the heart of the believer because of the fact that we we go back to what happened in the time of jesus and we see it and we understand it and with faith with the eyes of faith we come to understand that jesus is present and that that mystery of faith continues to run completely Roughshod over our over our over our sentiments, and remind us of the fact that this is real. Yeah, yeah. And with faith, with eyes of faith, we are able to see it and understand it.
1: Yeah, there is that, uh, that flipping of the phrase. they say, seeing is believing, but also in many cases, believing is seeing. That's right. Uh, and that's very difficult for some people to understand. Uh, they just, especially with everything going on in the world, they just go, oh, I'm too, too tied up with this. The thing is is that we're not just celebrating, well, we are celebrating the incarnation and uh, he's risen, but it's also, and what did he have to say that was so important? <laughs> you, if you just praise Jesus and don't pay any attention to anything he said, you're missing a whole bunch of the party, Absolutely. basically. Absolutely. Yeah. What he was and, saying was contrary to what a lot of people wanted to hear.
0: And not only, not only what he said, but what he did. Yes. You yes. know the life that he lived. You know, and we, we hear so much about the fact that you know we we see Jesus and Jesus came to prove to us the the, the goodness of God, but to, to suffer and to die for us. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree, of course, and soteriologically we can say all of those wonderful things. But when we, when we come to understand the mystery of faith, we come to understand Jesus came so that we might have life and have it abundantly. And every single time we come back to Jesus and we tell the story and everything else, it's not just a matter of representing and seeing him suffer and die for us because his suffering and death accomplished life for us. But it is important for us to remember that. It is is so important for us to remember that he suffered and died for us, but he lived for us, and he came among us, and and he is still alive. And all of those things, when, when, when we actually start to think for just a few moments that Jesus is alive, That's a big deal for us, big, big deal.
1: Years ago, many years ago, I think it was Fellini made a movie called Satyricon, and I don't remember anything about the movie. Frankly, I thought it was probably fairly boring, but the, the sales pitch on the posters was, you know, Satyricon, Rome, before Christ. And when you think about what it was like without Christ, before Christ, then during Holy Week, there's a period of time when you think about what it's like without Christ and boy, I'll tell you, the situation where the, all of the things that are on the altar are removed, stripped down to just basically a wooden thing, no longer an altar. And then the, the priest will or the bishop will take the tabernacle and he'll carry it away. And then they frequently turn down the lights and there's no organ music playing. That's right. (laughs) You sit there going, this isn't good. (laughs) (laughs) This is not good, not good. What would we be doing without having the light of Christ in the world? That's right. You know, and what what really
0: uh, does bring that home, remembrance of the death of Christ.
1: This thing you're describing, I've never heard of before, I don't think. What's it called? Tenebrae.
0: It's called tenebrae. It is the the celebration of light. It is the the way in which we try to to summarize as best we can to say this is what this is what it was. That the the light left the world, you know, with with the with the darkness of the darkness that overcame the world as Jesus died. So it is that it is remembered in the way in which we try to to bring up the fact that we pray we sing we sing special songs that deal with the demise of the source of light until finally you know the the last of the words that is that are told it is finished the book is slammed And with that, then the lights are out, the Paschal candle is extinguished, and there you are. And uh, the people just pour out their hearts because they understand that what they're doing is they're recognizing death as the outpouring of darkness, noise cacophony, the, the dreadful din that comes from the lack of Jesus. And that's the end of, of Good Friday. And with that, the priest slams the book closed, which is which is the book of the readings that we have been using for the, uh, for the ceremony. And with that, the lights in the church, boom, are completely dimmed. And then Everybody in the church starts pounding their books, uh, the pews, and everything. And there's a tremendous noise, a cacophony in the church. And I know people who come to this and they this ceremony. And uh, we used to we used to celebrate it at the at the basilica, and I don't know if they still do. But uh, when those when those lights went off, mm. and there are uh, candles and that are, after each of the seven prayers, a candle is extinguished until finally only one candle is left, and that's the Paschal candle. Ah. And the Paschal candle is carried out of the church and then extinguished in the back. And then there is complete darkness in the church. And, of course, the tie with the evening ceremony of, uh, of Holy Saturday the lighting of the paschal candle and and how that candle is carried into church and Illuminates the church because everybody picks their candle their light.
1: Well, I had not heard of this idea You know, they do the reading and like it's like just finished Boom. Yeah, ah.
0: yeah. no when when this happens in in this particular ceremony this is an old ceremony in the church and as it is told lights are dimmed as each candle is extinguished until finally the the paschal candle itself is extinguished and the noise that is made by the people it and what it symbolizes of course is the death of jesus and when jesus died the cacophony that occurs The world is thrown back into darkness and thrown back into the noise of what we, what we live with. And you won't believe how people listen to
1: this. That's amazing. I, no, I have not experienced that oh, particular God. aspect of it. That's incredible. Again, <laughs> I, you know, I must admit, uh, I'm kind of a drama, not a drama queen, but uh, I'm a, I, I do believe in performance. Yes, performance. Once.
0: Yeah, it's drama. It yeah. is drama. And, this, and to this, do that,
1: and then to have that cacophony. Yes, that would be absolutely. I would get goosebumps.
0: Oh, our people loved it. I mean, yeah. they, there were people who came, who would come uh, for the celebration of the of, of Good Friday and for the you know, celebration of the of the Stations of the Cross and everything else. But they would come for this thing at night. Mm-hmm. And uh, no matter what, we had a full church. Yeah. And, you know, people would come and they would, they would celebrate, they would pray, they would listen to the music, and there was, there was, there was special music, special psalms, special music that was used, and that as, as each particular passage was completed, another candle would go out until finally the last of the candles was the Paschal candle itself, and it was carried out of the church. And then, bang! Oh. The, you know, the, the noise, and and people loved oh. making noise. Yeah, 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 and they yeah. just loved banging. Well, bang. they wanted to be part of the drum. They did.
1: They participated And they in it.
0: understood what happened. Yeah. That in darkness, yeah. noise overcame, cacophony, all kinds of noise.
1: That's amazing. Good Friday is such a strange day. Yes. Yes, Again, it's a strange day if you are tuned into it a little bit. Even if you are not tuned into it, you kind of wonder, why isn't this place open at 3 o'clock? But you may not know why. But, But for those who have at least an inkling as to background, Good Friday is so bizarre. It is so sad. That's right. It, and you can imagine what the apostles were doing. Like, oh, my, uh, you know, they're hiding, yeah, right? Hiding. We're scared to death. What is going yeah. What is going to happen next? It is such an, just amazing. And then when Saturday, uh, Holy Saturday, it kind of continues. It's kind of like, like, when's it going to get better?
0: St. <laughs> Ignatius of Loyola tells some great stories and and talks about the first person that Jesus went to see uh, before the resurrection, Mm -hmm. and that was his mother. And there's a beautiful story about how Jesus and Mary saw each other, and and the, the profound influence of Mary, the profound influence of Jesus seeing her and wanting to see her. And how she was just, she was ready. She knew he was going to come. And there he is. And there's, you know, so there are numbers of things that we remember. Veronica, you know, the very idea of wiping the face of Jesus with her veil, the, uh, the sense of, of understanding her love that was so profound that, you know, she was able to wipe his face. Yeah. And that gift that was given to her by having his face imprinted on her veil.
1: Saturday, we, it, again, it's one of those days that is kind of neutral gray. Uh, That's right. It's very strange very unsettling.
0: My home parish, we had, um, we always used to, there were always, the, the symbols of Holy Week and the symbols of the, the, of the Passion and Death of Our Lord were always remembered and so um, we used to take we had a statue of our lord in the tomb mm. so he was he was lying flat dead but he was in the tomb and so when we would, we would put him inside the tomb the tomb was open to the people who could come in during the during the day and uh, and there was a, a lace or something over it so that you couldn't see but you could certainly see that there was the body of the Lord in the tomb. And so, sure enough, people respond well to those kinds of things. Because, again, we're, we're into symbols. Yeah, yeah. We're into seeing the things.
1: People respond well when they are exposed to truth and good things that were good for them. The Easter vigil, by this time most priests in the diocese are exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They are It's been a long week, been a very, very long week. but the Easter vigil is a marathon. It is a marathon. and you know the entire story, I mean everything you could pack into it is brought up to this moment. Now I don't know if they until then we,
0: we go through what happens on Holy Saturday until night. Yeah, and that's yeah.
1: it. I don't know if this happens in every parish. I know it, it did happen for quite some time in the cathedral in La Crosse, that they just didn't bring in a candle. Uh, they actually had this large cauldron full of kindling, which they doused with a great deal of like charcoal starter. And thank <laughs> goodness it wasn't high-test gasoline. Good um, and they would light this thing. Sure. And it would go whoosh. And this huge light would come up, and then they would carry this thing in right into the middle of the church, and that would light the Paschal candle. And And that
0: is the beginning of Holy Saturday. That's the beginning of Easter Vigil. Yeah, wow. I mean, I'm always careful because, you know, when you get real close to that thing, that fire is hot. And, you know, the, the, the priest is in a cope. Yeah. Or in some sort yeah. of thing that is a little bit more than just, you know, mm-hmm. a shirt. So, it, you
1: know, it, you want to be careful yeah, about this, getting too close to that fire. Yeah, this is the diametric opposite of them slamming the bookshed in the <laughs> that's darkness.
0: That's right, that's right, that's right. And <laughs> but, the I mean, the first then, time I was at
1: an Easter yeah. vigil and this thing went on, it was kind of like, what the? <laughs> you know. And when you
0: see that, you understand yeah. that and it is from that fire. Yeah that the the light of Christ, the Paschal candle, is relit. Mm -hmm.
1: And also it reminds you of this idea of the power that God has. Uh, My high school music conductor went to some place in the Middle East and he went to go see this mosque that they said had this huge uh, ceiling ceramic of good versus evil. And you go in there, and he says you expect to see these two titans fighting, and you see this gigantic hand squashing a net.
0: Oh, my. <laughs> you
1: know, it was great. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, this guy was very good. He I, 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 I credit him for a lot of things that I did in my life that were performative. Uh, he would We would sing around Easter. This is back before prayer in school was... Put the kibosh. Uh, we did a song called Tis Finish, So the Savior Cried and meekly bowed his head and died. Tis finished, yes, the race is run. The battle's fought, the victory's won. Tis finished. It's great This it listen a public school. Mr. Richley, we still remember you all these years later. Good God man. God love good you. Man. Rest in peace. Yeah, he sure is doing that. But yeah, this is remarkable stuff. And then, of course, Easter Sunday morning sunrise services all kinds of permutations of These what are goes all on. part of our rich tradition. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, and we don't necessarily use them yeah. as we should. They become part of a story that doesn't have the great impact that it's supposed to. So
1: I think and purpose for having shows like this, and of course what you and what all of your priests say week after week, is to get people to remember this. This stuff hasn't gone away, No, it's here. It gets covered over by social media and uh, influencers. It doesn't mean it's gone away. Uh, Sometimes things seem like they become trite. Uh, I had to buy a specially, this sounds really stupid, I had to buy a specially shaped pillow over at Dollar General to fit in a box that a cat sits in. And the only one I could find simply said, there's no place like home. And we were talking about this, going, my wife was going, I wonder where the heck that came from. I mean, that's been around forever. And I said, I don't know for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if that phrase became popular after the Civil War. Because after all the death and all the destruction, these people came back to their homes in Wisconsin or wherever it is, going, you know, there's no place like home. That's right. It may have been before that, but it has become over the years, eh, there's no place like home. Well, there's no place like church. You're not going to replace it with anything materialistic in this world. And no, as you get ready for Easter, if you can spend a bit more time looking at what the church does, I, I think you will get some fulfillment out of it. I really do. I think that uh, uh, it's all there right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Absolutely. Just, you've got to open your eyes and, and, and just kind of settle back a little bit and let it wash over you. And uh, it, it will be a spectacle in many cases as well.
0: I mean, let me you. also conclude our part of understanding tenebrae. The word tenebrae means shadows. And that's the whole thing about the evening celebration. So it is celebrated in a dark church. And as the lights gradually, as the candles are gradually toned down, so are the lights, any of the electrical illumination. But the shadows that they create become long and darker and more severe and frightening and ominous. And so not only do you have the, the noise and the, the cacophony of it all, but you also have lengthening of shadows. And all of these things that remind us of what it is to not have God. What it is to not have the light of lights. And how all that is undone by the Easter vigil. And the lighting of the fire. And the lighting of the Paschal candle. And the singing of the exalted. And all of these various aspects of things that remind us of who we are as a chosen, blessed, redeemed, and holy people.
1: And I couldn't top that, but I wanted to. <laughs> but Bishop, I really appreciate you taking some time to give us a little different slant on Holy Week, not just the, the, the exact events of what time they are. And by the way, you can look in your church bullet and go online to get the exact times for these things. Uh, plan on extra parking time, things like yes, that. Yes, uh, yes, Because yes. a lot of people show up. But uh, can you uh, leave us with a, with a prayer and a blessing? By all means, by all means.
0: Almighty and eternal God, You have given us the great gift of sight. And through your Son, you call us to a depth of seeing beyond our eyes and looking more intensely and deeply into the light of grace, the light of the glory that you have placed before us in eternity, his light. We ask you to help us to be mindful of that to be mindful of the gift of Easter, to be mindful of the way in which you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful and marvelous light. Almighty and eternal God, give us the grace to understand and to appropriately worship and adore you and move ourselves ever more closely to your truth and to your light and be ministers of it in the world in which we live. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come upon you and remain with you forever. Amen.
1: Thank you, Bishop. A week or so back, I talked about a special golf event that was supporting the seminary program. That's going to be coming up in June. I've got something that's quite a bit sooner and quite a bit different. You've been hearing a great deal about Father Walieski, a servant of God, Father Walieski whose sainthood is being considered by the Vatican. Seldom do you get to talk to people who have absolute first-hand experience having worked on Casa Hogar with him, having literally carried his casket when he died. Well, you're going to have a chance to talk to two of them. We're talking about Saturday, May 6th, at the Memories Ballroom in Marathon City. The legacy Guild for Father Joseph Walieski is calling it A Night with Padre Jose Sharing Memories. This is the man who wrote I only have two hands. I will do what I can and let God do the rest. Coming up from Peru will be Monsignor Joseph Hirsch. And, of course, Father Sebastian will be here as well. Both of these gentlemen work very closely, hand-in-hand, with Father Walieski. They know him well. They have all kinds of stories that probably haven't been written down in magazine articles or put into books or whatever. So, it will be a chance about learning about what he did, what Father Wallieski did, sharing memories of the work he did for the people in Peru, along with messages from individuals who saw firsthand how he used his own two hands to make a big difference in the lives of so many people. Now, this is not a $500 a plate event. This is a $30 for adults, $10 for kids five to 10 years old, and under four are free. So you get a nice dinner, you get to hear some wonderful stories about Padre Jose, and just think, maybe someday, God willing, if he becomes a saint, you can say, hey, I was kind of involved in that process. I got to hear people talking all about him, and I supported them. More information can be found by calling 715-297-5139, 715-297-5139, or check the diocesan website. Thanks for tuning in, Connecting the Diocese. I will leave you with the Robert Shaw Corral version of Tis Finished. See you next week.